on EDC Unlocked, Jeremy Sears, the best beard on YouTube. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate the compliment. In one of our funniest episodes yet. I think in one of them I had on a wife beater. You're going to be in front of people. Put on a t-shirt, man. What the hell is wrong? <laughs> so, that's my whole look, bro. It's homeless chic. They, they, that's, that's my vibe. Oh, don't say it, Jeremy. I couldn't. You heard me. It was like Tourette's. I had to say it. I couldn't not. Hey guys, we came up with the idea for EDC Unlocked because we felt there wasn't anything out there that gave the EDC community the opportunity to hear the stories behind big names and brands in the space, whilst also giving them the chance to ask the questions that they've always wanted to ask. For now, this is a limited mini-series, but if you guys want more, then we would love to come back with another series. And so if you do genuinely like the show, then please follow, subscribe. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a short review. This 20 seconds of your time really makes such a huge difference and we'd really appreciate it. Okay, let's get into the episode. Enjoy. Welcome to EDC Unlocked by Home and Hadfield. And today I'm really excited to have on the show easily one of the most requested names and easily the best beard on YouTube, Jeremy Sears. <laughs> How's it going, man? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. And the kind work, the beard's getting a little grayer these days, so it's not probably the best looking one anymore, but it, it, I thank you. I appreciate the compliment. I mean, I've got, I could probably use the whole episode to ask you questions about your beard, but I'm, I'm conscious. <laughs> um, we've actually got, uh, if people see me looking in front of me at my laptop is because we've got quite a lot of questions from our community. Some are hilarious. So we'll, we'll get into that. But what I'd really like Roger. to do before that is to, someone looks at your YouTube channel, they see over half a million subscribers. They see all this curated content. They see the finished article, right? And they think, oh, wow, must be kind of, he must've got there overnight. I know that can't be the case. Um, and I actually yeah. went back to your like first ever video and things have changed. Oh no, you have it. I you have it. I took those down. They were so embarrassing, bro. Like you don't even, some of my first videos, like uh, I watch them now because I can still see them. They're just not public anymore. Oh, come on. Chef. It is the most cringe, horrible. I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing? Like, like it was so bad. It's like, it's real bad. So no, you don't even see those. And even the ones out there, some of the first ones are pretty bad, but the real bad ones aren't even visible anymore. Could you just tell us like what kind of thing it might have been one of those ones that you've taken up? Well, it wasn't the it wasn't the context of the video that was a problem. It was, and I don't even remember what some of them are about now. They were about various things. I think some of them were even about uh pipes and stuff, because I used to not only smoke cigars, but I smoked pipes. So some of them were about that, and some of them were about some other things, just like vloggy type videos. But I think the cringe part was just that I I was super uncomfortable on camera, which I don't think a lot of people, I don't know how long you've been in front of camera, but you seem perfectly comfortable right now. But some people that have never been in front of a camera, they're just awkward. You know what I mean? And especially if you're not interacting with somebody else and you're just talking to a camera by yourself. And the first time you've ever done that, you're sitting in a room alone, staring down the barrel of a lens. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, man, it's super awkward. So yeah, yeah they were very uncomfortable, man. And like, I think one of them I had on a wife beater because like I was just like at my house and I'm like, what am I doing going on? Like, there's nothing wrong with wearing a wife beater. I still wear them to this day around the house as I'm bumming around because I live in Florida and it's hot. But like, if you're going to be in front of people. Put on a t-shirt, man. What the hell is wrong? With <laughs> so, 
it, it was just very cringe, bro. Very cringe. So before that time, and someone asked this actually, like, what did you do before then? What was life like before then? And and how did you even, I mean, I even think about it now. I look at people on YouTube and I'm like, that takes head. I mean, particularly these days with what I've heard about the algorithm and stuff like that. Like it takes oh, God, so brutal. much commitment, uh, consistency, et cetera, et cetera. So could you let us know what were you doing before YouTube? What was life like then? And how did you first then come across YouTube and then kind of decide to start focusing on it? Well, you mean, what did I do for a job before yeah. I did YouTube and yeah, stuff? Yeah. Uh, I worked for the railroad. I worked for, you know, trains. Yeah. Yeah. For years. Matter of fact, even in the beginning of my YouTube career, I was still doing uh, the railroad for quite, quite a while. Um, my, it was a kind of a family thing. My dad worked for the railroad for 41 years. His uncle worked for 40 years or 35 years. So it was kind of like a family thing. And I just got into it when I was in my early 20s. And that's what I did for, like I said, close to 15, almost 16 years. And uh, YouTube was just kind of, I don't know, man, I just kind of used it like anybody does to this day, just for information. I would go on there for entertainment or if I needed to learn how to disassemble a gun or, you know, whatever it was that I didn't know, I would go on there. And um, I found Casey Neistat, strangely enough, I think was about the time. And uh, I was like, wow, that looks really fun. I kind of liked cameras. So I was like, well, that's fun. Let me get a camera and start tinkering around. And the more I played with cameras and tried to do some vlogs and tried to do some other stuff. And I just found it to be very interesting. I enjoyed the process of making videos and editing videos. And I taught myself how to use Final Cut Pro and all these things. And uh, I just started doing it more and more. And it started to get some traction eventually. I mean, it wasn't a fast process, but I would say after maybe a year or two, probably two years of doing it, it started making a little bit of money. And I was like, hmm, well, this is interesting. And then, you know, six, eight months later, I kind of hit a growth spurt and I was growing a little more and I was starting to make near as much on YouTube as I was making doing my full-time job. And I was like, well, hold on. Like, wait a second. <laughs> you mean I could just do this for a living and not have to, you know, report to somebody and have a boss and do all those things. And that just slowly transitioned into, uh, and I've told the story online multiple times, but I, I was very fortunate in the way it worked out. The company I was working for was doing layoffs. And if you had had 15 years of service, if you volunteered, so they didn't have to lay off people that didn't want to, they would give you a one year severance package. And at the time, my YouTube channel wasn't quite equaling my income, but it was getting close. So I was nervous about quitting. But with that option, I was like, wow, if, if they're going to pay me for a full year, certainly in a year, if I hustle, I can make this thing work. So that's when I went full-time on YouTube and, and I took the year severance package and said goodbye to working for the man and started working for myself. Wow. So like divine intervention, really, like you're getting that like bit of a sign from the gods that you were like, I've got to give this a go, right? Yeah, because, you know, at the time I had kids and a wife and stuff and I had a family, so I had responsibility, right? Like I couldn't just go off on some whim and let my kids starve to death. You know what I mean? So like I, yeah. I needed it to be, I needed it to be fairly secure. So it had kind of held me back from quitting my job for quite a while. I wanted to, but it just wasn't there. So when that happened, I did, I felt like that was kind of like, I'm like, man, this is my sign. I've got a full year. I mean, come on, like, yes, we got We got to get after this and make it work. And did you ever think like, so was there like any sort of like, I don't want to say the word strategy because that sounds a bit calculated, but was there any like, okay, you know, I love, I love these certain things. I love whiskeys. I love cigars. You know, I want to just talk about that because that's what I love. Or was there like, oh, you know, I think there's an audience in that. I want to talk more about that. Like, was there any kind of like, I guess, strategy behind it? 
I would say there is uh, yes and no. I I would say like <laughs> I probably if you're if you're looking to follow somebody that has a good outline of how to like make YouTube work, I'm probably not the guy to follow <laughs> because I did all the things that everybody said not to do. Right? Like back in the day, the advice everybody always gave with YouTube was niche down, right? Niche down, get a niche, stick with it. That's the best way to get views, that's the best way to get growth, niche down. I am too ADD for that, man. Like I can't do, and, and that's kind of the, the impetus for my channel is like, I have, I'm squirrel. You know what I mean? I'm all over the place. I can't stay on one topic for like a super long period of time or I get really bored. And when I get bored, it's hard for me to do that thing. So I kind of jump all over the place. And it was kind of just one of those things where I was like, what's all the shit that I enjoy doing that are fun hobbies that I'm passionate about that. I have enough passion about the subject that I can try to make some fun content that I think people will enjoy. And also, it's kind of any hobby you get into, there's a crowd for that, right? It doesn't matter what it is, by the way. The most crazy shit you think is out there, I guarantee you there's a group of people that love that shit. If you made a video on it, they would watch it. So yeah, so I kind of just jumped all over the place and anything that kind of started out kind of doing vlogs and then as the channel started getting bigger, and like I said, because Casey Neistat was part of the guy who got me interested in YouTube, I started kind of doing that. And then the more the channel grew, I didn't know how much I really wanted my kids on the channel just for safety reasons and a lot of creeps out there and stuff. And they're still on the channel occasionally, but they're not on near as much as they were when my channel was much smaller. I kind of just, I don't know, it just got a little weird. And then once they get older, it'll be fine again because they'll be adults. But I don't know. When you have young kids, you just have to be careful. Um, a lot of a lot of creepy people out there, um, but then that's when I started doing like cigars and whiskey and all the other things that I'm kind of big into, and I still to this day that's kind of the thing I follow. If I if it's a hobby that I enjoy and I think I could make some cool content, I do it. Some of them hit, some of them don't. Like I do barbecue content because I enjoy smoking. I have big smokers in my backyard and stuff. That content doesn't hit as good as some of my other content, but I don't care. I enjoy it, and some people really enjoy it. So even though it doesn't get the same views, I don't get the kind of the much popularity as some of the other content that I do. Like whiskey content is really popular. Almost anytime I do a whiskey video, it does really well. Yeah. Um, I still do the stuff that's not as popular just because there's still a crowd out there. There's still people that enjoy it and I enjoy making it. So, so long winded answer to your question is I'm not the best person. I'm kind of all over the place and there wasn't any particular strategy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess ultimately, if you're doing the barbecue content in addition to the content that you know is for, more for the masses, then your your longevity in the game's just you know longer, right? Because you'll be just enjoying it for a lot longer. Well, and that's the thing. I think if that's one piece of advice that I would give to anybody is like you got to do the stuff that you enjoy. Not that you want to do a whole bunch of stuff that you enjoy and everybody hates, because then obviously you're going to fail. But if you're only doing stuff for the views, I don't know, man. A, I don't think it has longevity. Like you said, I think you're not going to be passionate about it and it's going to come across. And uh, I think if you're in a creative space, which some people don't look at YouTube videos that way, but I definitely do look at it as a creative space. You, you have to kind of feed your creativity with things that, that you enjoy. If you're just constantly doing stuff for the masses, it doesn't always, doesn't always give you that spark that helps you think of new ideas and stay passionate about it. Yeah. And you, you can't believe it. you mentioned this before we started recording that you you are a one man band. You you edit everything, you plan everything with a 
a channel that like the size of yours, like you know, you would normally see people have like a small team or something like that. Is that because Dude, I know. is that because you just you just need to have control over everything or like you enjoy all of that pro because surely you don't enjoy every part of it. Uh, no, certainly I don't. <laughs> there are definitely parts of it that I would you know, it's like God. Um man, it's it's kind of it's kind of a combination of things, honestly. It's part that I'm a cheap ass and I don't want to like hire anybody. Right. Because I've, I've had businesses before that their overhead can ruin a business really quick. Right. Yeah. So there's part of me enjoying, like I work out of my house still. My whole upstairs is my studio. I've got two rooms, bathroom up here, and this is my studio. It's my workspace. It's my office, my editing, all that stuff's up here. And most of my friends that have channels, my size, or even channels quite a bit smaller, like you said, they do, they have a studio, they've rented a space, they have a small team of people, or some of them have pretty large teams of people, to be honest. And I think it helps them create content a lot quicker. I think that's one of the reasons why people get mad at me because I don't put out content as often as a lot of other guys do. Mm. But I, partly a little bit of a cheap ass, uh, partly because I do have a hard time relinquishing control. Like the edit is kind of my baby, right? Like I like to edit things the way that I like to edit them. I want to cut out the things that I don't like. I want to leave in the things that I think are funny or that are good. And I don't trust somebody else to do it the way that I would do it. Mm. So I'm not convinced that it wouldn't be just as much work because of the amount of rounds of edits we'd have to go through because I would have no fix this, no fix this. No, no, this, you need to do this. I feel like it'd be just as much work. I just might as well do it my damn self. <laughs> so I have a lot of friends that have are still to this day trying to talk me out of that mindset and telling me if I ever want to go to the next step that I really need to get a team and, and do that. But I, I just haven't been able to make myself do it yet. Do, do you sometimes, like I said this to like to my, my business partner Ian, like I sometimes look around and I was like, fuck man, if we were, if we were born like 20 years earlier, like we would never have like been able to sell online, which means that, Somehow I'm in bar. It's crazy, right? Easier right now. And like you're, you know, you're making your money through, you know, this thing on the internet that people watch TV through. Like if you'd have told someone that 20 wow. years ago, they'd be like, fuck off. What are you on about? Like, you know, that's crazy. Do you, do you look back and think? Well, still older people. Yeah. Yeah. You talk to older people. Sometimes they're like, what do you do? And like people say 65 plus sometimes. I'll tell them I do YouTube. And they're like, yeah, okay. But like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like. I'm like, no, no, that's what I do for a living. They're like, no, but how do you make money? I'm like, that, that's how I make money. And they're like, how the fuck do you make money doing that? <laughs> so sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I mean, definitely that's an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, do you, cause I, I, I just think, yeah, just almost just like the luckiest time to be able to do this. Cause like you, YouTube wasn't even a, YouTube wasn't even a thing. You, you actually kind of hit it at the exact right time, right? Like, like six years ago. Kind of that was when it was like starting to blow up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, even if I would have been a little bit earlier, I could have been good. Probably, I would say eight, maybe max of 10 years ago is when, and, and like you said, probably six to eight years ago is when it really, there was a lot of like, there was a huge uptick, I feel like. But yeah, man, we're all, anybody that's in our space, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a creator, if you're any of that kind of thing, now is the time to be alive, bro. Because there's so many people that have started businesses that are very lucrative, very successful, and they're able to get a really cool product. And it's good for consumers too, because the, the diversity of cool shit out there is way more than it used to be. 
we're kind of spoiled, actually. You know, you think about how many cool pocket knives and how many cool just little trinket EDC items, all kinds of crazy shit that 30, 40 years ago, there wasn't near the variety of it. I mean, we're spoiled with that amount of stuff today. But this is the era, man, of people because you can't, you don't have to have a brick and mortar. You can have a cool idea and you can figure out how to make it and you can sell it online and have a website, which costs, I mean, what does a Squarespace account cost? You know, a couple hundred bucks a year. You know what I mean? And that, that the threshold for entry of having your own business is just way lower than it ever has been in history. Yeah, man. Like, I, I actually think in the States, like you guys, it's something that you guys are maybe trained to believe from like, uh, yeah, I guess it maybe depends on where you're from in the States, but from a young age, uh-huh. you can create your own business and create your own destiny. Whereas in the UK, it's like, up until only a few years ago, it was like you you go and work in an office for your whole life, and so it's kind of only. You know, it's funny. I, I've heard a few people from the UK say that very thing. There's oh, another yeah. uh, guy, and I can't remember his name, but I watch his uh, channel sometimes on YouTube, and he said the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. I, so they they're kind of mean to you guys over there, oh, or something, yeah, huh? It's just yeah, they, it's a different mentality, I guess. Yeah, just not the the self belief that I think you guys have that you can make anything happen, and like yeah, that's why I, you know I've got. A, a soft spot for America myself, but um, uh, I'll get, that's I'll, awesome. I'll get back on track. I'm conscious that I'm actually, there's loads of questions and I'm just being selfish. And, okay. Um, I'm, I, and I'm long winded, man. I'm sorry. No, I'll no, run no. on for, you ask me a question and I'll bet that. So just, if you need to tell me, Hey man, no, shut no. the fuck up and keep this stuff short. Just you're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> um, so actually what I did want to ask you before, because I, I think we touched upon like an interesting point there. I know there'll be people who will be listening to this, who will be so engaged with your channel and also, and you probably get asked this all the time, like what would be your advice to someone who not necessarily wants to start a channel, but maybe wants to do that, wants to be a content creator, wants to go out on their own, but they're like, ah, yeah, I just, I don't think I can do it. Or, you know, I've got an imposter syndrome, just like what you were saying earlier about getting in front of the camera and talking into it and feeling awkward. What would be your advice to them? Just do it. I mean, just do it. I know that seems super simple and dumb, and it's like, oh, thanks, bro. That's fucking super (laughs) insightful and helpful. But, I mean, honestly, just do it. Because the only thing that's going to make you more comfortable in front of a camera is being in front of a camera, right? And uh, if you're not comfortable putting it out there in public, then don't publish it. But just make the video, edit the video, practice your craft or your skill or whatever, because the only thing that is going to make you better at it is reps right reps it's just like anything if you want to play the guitar you want to play the drums you want to draw you want to fucking whatever the only thing that's going to make you better what's that saying it's like ten thousand hours or something before you're a master at it or yeah Yeah. there's some thing that goes along yeah yeah you just have to do it so i mean if it's something you're interested in i guarantee you there's an audience out there for what you're interested in do something you're passionate about because that makes it way easier than just trying to figure out what the algorithm and try to jump on the what's in the uh, you know most trending topic. Stay away from that shit. That stuff's mind-numbing and hard to keep up with. Find something you're passionate about because it's going to be a lot easier for you to make content about it and just put in the reps. Just start doing it, doing it, do it, do it, do it. And like I said, if you're uncomfortable and they're really cringe, don't post them at first. Just do it, do the rep, and be like, yeah, that's just fucking atrocious. That is going to make people not want to follow me because I look like a serial killer. <laughs> so don't post it. Then, you know, next week, film another one and keep doing it until you get one that you think is good and then start posting it. Yeah, Just do it, man. Get after it. I was listening to this thing today. I think it was today or the other day. And they were like, 
if you're putting out shit content, it's fine because no one's going to be looking at that shit content because it's shit. So don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about it at the beginning because no one will watch it. But the point when it gets good, then you'll get people to watch it. So they'll never... Mm-hmm. You just do what you did and take it down and take it down when you get to that point. That's what I did, man. I think it was probably when I took some of those first videos down. I want to say I was probably... I want to say I was like encroaching on 100,000 subscribers and some of those videos were still out there. And I didn't even realize they were out there because I'd kind of forgotten. And then I was scrolling through my feed one day, kind of looking at numbers and seeing which videos had done well and which ones wasn't just to see. And I was like, oh man, that's a really old one. I watched it, I clicked it. And I was like, oh my God, private, private, <laughs> unlisted. I've got to remove that immediately. That's so bad. I'm going to lose subscribers if people see this shit. This is horrible. Uh, yeah, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know if you if you have Facebook, but if I ever looked at, because Facebook came about in 2007, I look at, things that I posted on like a drunken night out with friends. Oh. And I'm like, oh, why did I put that on Facebook when I was like 22? <laughs> because you were old. drunk yeah, and you thought it was awesome at the time. Yeah, no. Um, right, I, I'm going to go into the questions because otherwise we'll, we'll never get into them. And uh, I want to go beard-related question first. And, and actually, I, I, yeah. I'm wondering this. Someone said, I've been trying to grow a long-ass beard for years. Why can't I? And I, the, I'm going to build on that question a little bit because – I can yeah, yeah. grow facial hair to an extent, and then it gets. You the look point. like you have a pretty good one. No, nah, it gets to the point where it just looks so ratty that I just like, no, I need to shave it off. Is it that you need to start with it? Do you need to like go through the pain to get to the the glow? Well, that's what I was going to ask because I mean, it looks like, and it's it's hard to tell on camera, but it looks like it's pretty thick. From what I could tell, you've got some density, right? Because you could tell because you got a shadow there. You could tell guys that have real sparse beards, like when it's short, like yours, yeah. you almost can't even tell. Right. And I can see the pattern there. It looks like you have a relatively thick beard. I could be wrong. You could, I'm not seeing you in person. In person, I could probably tell better, but a lot of growing a beard, and it, I hate saying this because it's, it kind of sucks for some people, is it's just genetics. Yeah. Right. Some people just don't have real thick facial hair. Some people do. And all the weird potions and stuff, that shit's not going to do anything. It's, it's how many hair follicles per square inch on your face you genetically have it creates a thick or thin beard. Right. But that being said, there is a certain thing with guys like you that seem to like you have a pretty thick one. A lot of guys, there's a phase that you go through with your beard that is, it's, it's no bueno, man. Like you go through a homeless phase where it's just, it's hard. It's kind of like when you're growing your hair out. Have you ever grown your hair out on your head? Uh, no, I, I've got to the point where I just have to just get rid of it because it's just too, too long. It's the same with your growing hair on your head. You go through a phase where you just can't do anything with it. And you just have to wear a fucking hat for like a year because it's just a mess, right? A beard's the same way. You can either keep it short and tight and it looks neat, or you can let it grow and just get ready for you're going to go through probably about six, eight months of looking. And you can go on uh, Beard Brand is a company that I work with a lot. And those guys have some great videos on like keeping your beard neat while you're going through a growing phase and what parts to trim and what parts not to trim and stuff. Because some parts, if you constantly trim it, it's never going to grow, right? But yeah, man, a big part of it is just saying, fuck it and let it go. Let it grow. Give it a year and see what it looks like. Give it at least six months. At least six months. Usually a yeard, as they call them, a one-year beard, a yeard, is when you can really start to kind of shape things and start to do different stuff with it. That could be a YouTube channel in itself. We could have given someone an idea there. I like that. Um, oh, Beard Brand. Uh, I mean, they're a, a beard company. They're not um, 
you know, YouTube isn't their profession. They make beard care products, but yeah, they've got a whole channel. It's nothing but beard care stuff, man. And I mean, it, it's, it's all, you could definitely easily, and I think there's two or three creators I know of on YouTube that that's all they do is just beard stuff. And I mean, they're over a hundred thousand subscribers. You're talking, you're not talking tiny, tiny channels and that's all they do is beards, man. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll think about it if I can get beyond the homeless stage. But um, so uh, I'm going to dot around in different areas. I've got some product specific questions. Uh, people like wanting to know, like when certain things are going to come out. So someone said, when can we expect more of the man cards to be released? We try to do one or two of those a year. Um, we're working on uh, the last one we did was the mini version. So it was kind of a thick. I have one up here. Yeah. It was kind of a like a thicker, like almost like domino size yeah. situation. The normal ones we do are the much bigger uh, playing card or credit card size things. We try to do one or two a year. We're currently working on version three of the full size one. Uh, we're doing the designs and the mock-ups and stuff. So hoping to have that out maybe by mid-year. Okay. That's not that far away though, man. Shit, we're already in April. So <laughs> yeah. This year is cruising, bro. Yeah, cruising. Tell me about it. Um, yeah, maybe I'd say within the next, hopefully the next three months. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep firing these at you. What is it? And this is getting, yeah, man, shoot. getting a bit deep now. Like, what, is your, what is your main motivation in life? You know, man, it's somebody asked me that not too long ago. And it's weird because it's changed as, as I think it does for most people as you age. When I was younger, it was getting ladies. <laughs> You know, there was a point in time in my life where my main motivation was of course. not to be crass, but you know what I'm saying? Um, that was my main motivation. Uh, then I got a little older and then it was like making something of myself, being able to provide for myself and, you know, have things that I wanted, have my own car, have my own house, not be reliant on my parents, but relying on myself and being a functioning member of society. And then as I got older and had children, my main motivation for a long time is just being a provider, really, you know, being a dad being a good dad, protecting and providing for my family in the way that I feel like a guy should, right? Which is why we were talking earlier, there's some scary steps when I was going into the YouTube thing because my main thing is always like, hey, making sure my kids are happy, healthy, and provided for. And if I go to make this jump, am I going to screw that up and you know, kind of pooch my responsibility? So um, seeing my kids happy and healthy is a huge motivator for me. That, that went from a like a funny answer to a very nice answer. So I think you covered it. Uh, hey, well, it, I feel like that's how uh, a progression of a lot of humans are, right? When you're younger and you're in your oh, teens, yeah. you know, guys, there's a lot of testosterone. It's all about like booze and women and, and trying to sleep with as many people as you can and just being an asshole in general. <laughs> and then you start to get a little older and you mature. And that's why I, I tell a lot of people, don't be too hard on younger guys if they seem like assholes, because a lot of those guys mature into pretty decent human beings. We just we go through a bit of a spell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um what happened to whiskey knife fight? Schedules. <laughs> yeah. Scheduling. Uh it's not gone. Uh me and Taylor still are buddies. We still talk all the time and we still always plan on doing another one. And I said this answer on something the other day, but it's one of those things where it's not that we both don't have a couple hours a week to do it. It's that we both don't have a couple hours a week at the same time. Yeah. So I'll be like, hey, man, we haven't done a whiskey fight, knife fight forever. Everybody wants one. I I'm open Thursday night. You want to jump on and do one? He's like, yeah, dude, we totally need to do one. But I'm not open Thursday. How about Friday? I'm like, well, I'm busy Friday. He's like, well, shit. And then 
you know, it's kind of like when we were trying to plan this, right? It's just, it's a nightmare finding when you got people that are busy and have a lot going on, finding the link up the place when you both have time to do it. So, um, it's not dead. Hopefully we'll do more episodes at some point, uh, is whenever me and Taylor can manage to find two or three hours that we both have at the same time that we can do it. I should have given more context that for anyone who's watching or listening who doesn't know that was the the podcast you were doing with uh, Taylor Best Damn aka Best Damn yep. right? Um yep. cool. Um great guy. Yeah, we, I'm we, sure he was highly requested on the series too. He's got to be. The EDC world, he's like a giant, bro. He, he was he was highly requested. We've been in contact, but yeah, he hasn't got back to me recently, so uh yeah. Dude, he's hard to get a hold of. Like yeah. I said, me and him are buddies and uh he he stays busy. You know, it's, it's whenever you're, uh, people I think would be surprised people who don't do YouTube. I think they think, oh, that's, what are you bitching about? You make videos. Like, I don't think people who don't do this understand how busy you stay to be successful and productive at this. Of course. No, of course. I mean, yeah, I can imagine, but I can't imagine. I think unless you're (laughs) in it, um, Mm -hmm. what requirements do you have for adding a new piece of gear to your regular rotation? Well, I think my answer to that's slightly different than most. Okay. Right? Because of what I do. I think your average guy it's it's got to be something really cool and it's got to be something that kind of catches his interest and it's got to be something that fills a need or a hole that he might have in his EDC or maybe doesn't fill a hole but maybe Well, yeah, I guess it would be a hole even if you have something currently in that spot that's doing it, maybe this could do it better or it's an upgrade or whatever. So for most people, I think that's the same. And for me, that's to a certain degree, that's true. But for me, because of what I do, it's also like, hey, is that popular? Is that something people might want to see, right? Is that something that is new for a company that a lot of people are going to want to know what's going on with it? So then I buy it, I throw it in my rotation just for informational purposes so I can figure out like, do I like this? Is this something? And that's something I do on my channel that maybe I should not do the way that I do it is usually I only do stuff that I like, right? So I'll buy stuff or or get sent stuff. If I think it's a hunk of shit, I just don't do it. It's a waste of my time to spend four or five days between the filming and editing and stuff just to talk shit about on something. So generally, if it it's not good, you just don't see it on the channel. And some people are like, man, you shouldn't do that. Like, we need to know if it's a turd. Like, you know, do the videos on the stuff. And I'm like, yeah, dude, but that's like five days of work just to <laughs> complain about something. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, to answer your question, my answer to that is probably a little different than most, but a lot of it for me is, is it something people want to see? Is it something that's cool? Is it something new and inventive in the space that we haven't seen before? Is it something that's super high quality and stands out for some reason? Those are a lot of the things that I look for. But again, for normal people and for my personal EDC, I think a big part of it is, is there a hole in that particular spot? Good answer. Um, would you ever consider developing your own whiskey? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We've we've got into that multiple times. And I've got some friends in the whiskey space and they're developing their own whiskey. So I'm starting to get some inroads on how to do it. You'd be surprised how difficult of a process that is with the red tape because of alcohol, yeah. right? It's not like making a Zippo, which isn't like regulated in any way, right? Like when you start getting into alcohol, it's like, oh, fuck me. It's so much red tape and annoying shit that you have to go through in certain states. Won't ship. It's not as easy as what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, oh man, this is a great time. Like you can just have a website yeah. and you can just ship it. Yeah. You can't do that with booze, man. They're real weird about it. Um, 
So, yes, trying to keep the answers a little shorter because I know I'm long-winded. Yes, I have. It is something that I think is at least a good probability of occurring at some point if I can find the time to devote to it because if I'm going to do it, I want to do it. I'm not going to half-ass it and just put my name on a bottle that you know I'm going to be involved in the whole process from soup to nuts. And um, hopefully one day, though, because I do love whiskey. And being a native Kentucky guy, I feel like it's part of my heritage that I should be involved in that in some <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like... Uh... I feel like you'd have to, that would almost have to be the number one thing you were like focusing on at that time, right? And unless you had a, someone like properly running it for you, but that, that's a big, I was listening to something the other day, I was talking about setting up an alcohol brand in the US and yeah, because there's so many huge companies that dominate that space. They make it so difficult for anyone to even get started and just stamp them out, right? Yep. And nobody wants to share the trade secrets because they want to protect their stuff and all that. So there, and there's a lot of like little red tape secrets of how to get around things and certain states you can't ship from. So there's certain states that it's better to warehouse your stuff in because those states can ship to more states where other states can ship to less states. It's super complicated and dumb. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But yes, you're correct. Hey, Phil here, co-founder of Home and Hadfield. Just interrupting the episode to let you know about something truly special to us. Community is a huge part of everything we do. And so we've created a Facebook group where we share our newest ideas and get feedback from you, our customers, to make sure we're developing products that you actually want to see. In return, we give away free products regularly. We're probably giving away a free product right now and huge discounts of up to 35% on all product launches. Whilst this began as something fairly simple, it's grown into an amazing community of like-minded people. And so if this sounds like something you could be interested in, I've left the link to the group below in the description. So come join us. It's free and you never know, you might enjoy yourself. Okay, back to what you came here for, the episode. So uh, next question, beard related question. What does your beard smell like? <laughs> I, could, I could give you the really crude answer, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'm, I was gonna, I won't even say it. I won't even say it. I want to say it so bad because it's a smart ass answer and it's crude. I was, I was going to be like, your mom's box. Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, that's, that's a joke. That didn't uh, me. That didn't come, the, the, the question didn't come from me. Uh, I know. I know. That's why I was, I was saying there's a crude answer to that, that um, is really crude and unnecessary but it just that is the first thing that popped in my mind i was like ah don't say it jeremy i could you heard me it was like tourette's i had to say it i couldn't not um honestly it it, my beard oil i I did a beard oil collaboration with beard brand and uh i love that shit so it smells like bold fortune beard oil i mean it looks because i put that in there every day looks nice and silky smooth i gotta say oh thanks over there on the other side of the world Um, what, what are your feelings on fixed blades? You know, I really like fixed blades. I don't carry one very often because I carry a gun and I carry a pocket knife and I carry a Zippo and all the other shit that I carry. And I feel like sometimes it gets to be a lot of stuff around the waist area. So, uh, folding knives are just a little more compact and easy, but fixed blades for sure. If you're doing any heavy tasks, any hard work tasks, it's just a better option. You know what I mean? And there's a ton of cool fixed blades out there. I've actually thought about multiple times maybe starting to do a fixed blade, maybe like a scout carry in the back or something. I I can't decide. I I really would like to, and I love them. And I think they have a place that they far 
are they're far better than a, a folding knife for certain things, but I just haven't gotten deep into that realm yet. Mm, yeah, we, so we're actually developing a new fixed blade uh, organizer display case. So that's something that will be hopefully oh. released this year. So yeah, Dude, we'll, we'll let you know. Y'all's display cases. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll give you a heads up once we've uh, finalized that. Uh, how sure? How do you? So this is. This is definitely a question coming from some someone else, and I, I don't know. Any, I have to be honest. I don't know anything about cigars. I wish I did. Okay, uh, but uh, how do you learn the complexities of a cigar regarding tasting notes? You know, we talk about that a lot on the new live stream that I started in, 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 in cigar videos that I do because it's a it's a strange thing for a lot of people that don't smoke a lot of cigars or just getting into cigars. When you hear guys on YouTube or you see on tasting notes of uh, you know manufacturers and stuff and they have all these crazy ass tasting notes. They're like, oh, you know, there's bits of almond with, you know, under notes of dark chocolate and caramel. And then, uh, you know, somebody who's never smoked one picks it up and they're like, yeah, that's me. What the fuck is this guy talking about, bro? It just tastes like cigar. Like, it just tastes like tobacco. Um, it takes a while to develop that, honestly. You've got to smoke quite a bit and you've got to really sit down with it. And what I did in the beginning is I would sit down with like the manufacturer's tasting notes and I would sit down with a cigar and I would smoke it and I would try to see if I could pull them out. I'd be like, do I even get a hint of that? Because I think when a lot of people, they hear people talk about tasting notes, they think, oh, he said it tastes like caramel. So it's going to, when I'm smoking, it's going to be like a fucking Snickers. It's not that like in your face, right? I mean, it's tobacco. It's not caramel, but it's, there's a nuance of that. And sometimes AB comparison will help you pull that out. So like with whiskey, I tell people it's easier with whiskey than with a cigar, but I tell people get two different whiskeys and taste them back to back. Because if you're just tasting one, you'd be like, man, what is that I'm tasting? But then if you taste another one, you're like, oh, wait, that one's way nuttier than this one, or this one's way sweeter than this one. And sometimes AB testing can help you pull out notes. Um, But with cigars, like I said, and with whiskey, either one, sit down, watch some reviews of people talking about it, see if you can pull out the flavor notes there finding and just practice it it's just like anything else it's kind of practicing and doing it reps of it so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a question based on that that's gonna make me look like an idiot in front of my own uh, or uh, our own audience but uh no no uh, that's, no uh, there's... but it is what it is it, so with cigars because I, I was actually speaking to a guy recently who got into cigars over the last few years and he'd almost uh-huh. he, he'd done it because he'd given up alcohol actually and he was like he was like i need a vice he was like, I need a vice. And <laughs> right. like, I knew I need a vice. Like, I had to have a vice. I decided cigars was kind of like the least destructive. Um, and actually, <laughs> what it's ended up doing for him is it's it's created this like new community that he can hang around with and he meets up with other guys. They smoke cigars and it's it turns into this social, he's got this social life from it that he didn't ever expect. And so when he said that, I was like, wow, that's actually like, and he's, he's moved, actually, he's a, he's a guy from Europe, he's moved to America, and he's got this new group of friends now, and he met them through cigars. So I guess my question to you, is it is is it not necessarily, obviously, the taste of it, the, the experience of it, but is it just as much the social aspect to it as well? For a lot of people, yes. It's huge. Yeah. Um, herf is what they call like a a group of people that gets together and smoke cigars. They call it a herf. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's a huge social thing for a lot of people. And, you know, much like we were just talking with the, the technology today, 
not only is it just getting locally with people and hanging out and smoking cigars, but it's even the online cigar community and just having other people to interact with that are passionate about the same thing you are and have the same hobby you do. And it gives you something to talk about. And then you find out you meet a bunch of people that you, you met them because you were talking about cigars online or in, in person at a local cigar club or a bar or whatever. And then you find out, hey, holy shit, this person has a lot of the other same hobbies I do. We have a lot in common. So then you end up developing relationships and friends and stuff through that hobby. So yeah, there's a huge social aspect to almost any hobby, right? It's the same with the EDC world. Um, I think cigars, though, and whiskey, it's a little more just because those are like social activities that a lot of people do, right? There's whole establishments that are built around just going and hanging out and drinking whiskey and smoking cigars, right? Or scotch or, or uh, cognac or whatever your preferred brown spirit of the gods is. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's a very social thing and a lot of people really enjoy it. Um, I enjoy both sides of it, the social side and the the more nerding out and sitting by myself and just smoking the cigar and trying to pull apart what's going on in there. I enjoy that side of it and I also enjoy the social side of it. So Yes. My, my girlfriend's going to find me in like two months' time sitting in a dark room, just smoking cigars, just really trying to get taste these notes. I've, I've been here. Sensory, sensory deprivation tank with a cigar, trying to t- tune out all other outside stimulation. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, are you planning? Uh, we've had a few questions about this. Are you planning any collaborations with any other creators i mean i assume you talked about time is that uh that's probably a difficult part but is anything like that coming up or edc brands that that you might want to tell people about or might maybe keep under wraps i don't know not currently uh i've got a bunch of stuff of my own you know I, i guess you could call it a collaboration because i work with exclusive on a lot of my merch and stuff that i do not the t-shirts and stuff i work with bunker branding on that stuff but like the custom merch, the Zippos, the man cards. Um, There's several projects we've got in the works in a collaboration with exclusive. If you, you know, if you consider that a collaboration, even though exclusive is kind of like, they don't try to be the center stage there. They're just like the, the back end of helping me develop the stuff. So they do have an Instagram page now and stuff. So they're growing, but anyway, there's lots of stuff that I'm developing with them. I don't currently have any projects going with like, a bench made or anything like that. I do. I'm in collaborations on a cigar with Brian from Provada Cigar Club and AJ Fernandez, who is a, a pretty big roller in the space. He's going to be rolling the cigar for us. So there's a cigar collaboration going. Uh, EDC space, like knives and stuff. I am developing my own fixed blade. Strangely enough, it's funny you were talking about that. We're in early stages of it, though. Like I, I've kind of picked out, I think, the general shape I want, general size I want. I know the handle material and some of the stuff. Um, but it's not like with a brand per se, it's, I'm making it with exclusive. I don't have anything going on with Benchmade or or anything like that at the moment, but who knows new stuff, new opportunities pop up every day. So exclusive is just out of interest. Is that like a, do you have an idea and they make it for you? Is that how it works? Yeah, man. It's funny. It's the guys from big idea design. Ah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. They're hopefully coming on this, on this show. They're great guys. Great guys. So I met them years ago through loving their pens and and stuff like that. And um, we kind of worked together. I did some videos on their stuff, did some reviews. And then uh, he came to me one day and was like, hey, man, you know, we have a lot of manufacturing knowledge. We have a lot of packaging and warehousing and inventory and, and all of this thing. We have a lot of stuff on this side. 
but we're we're thinking about starting a company where we get with creators who are good at creating things and they have a lot of cool ideas and they have an audience that they're that's interested in their ideas mm. and we're thinking about kind of having a meeting of the minds where we provide the part we're good at you provide the part you're good at right so you come up with the ideas and bring the people and the ideas and the the kind of um creative side of it and then we come up with the manufacturing and production side of it and then we kind of <laughs> you know, let the people do the thing they're best at and make cool shit for people. Right. And I was like, he's like, would you be interested? I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> because that's the hardest part of making stuff. Right. For a guy like me, who is the creative side of it, like the manufacturing of it is daunting, man. Like finding the materials and the place to do it. And it's like, Oh God, packaging and warehousing. Ugh. Um, and like we talked, I stay so busy. I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. So it was like the perfect thing. So we started it. It's called exclusive. It's the same guys that do a big idea, but it's like a, 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 another company of theirs that they run. And they work with a small set of creators on YouTube, myself, Best Damn EDC, the Bourbon Junkies, uh, Becky and Chris, Anders Erickson. Who else is on exclusive right now? I want to say that's it for right now. Mm -hmm. And basically, yeah, we come up with a, if we think there's a, Something that cool, like I've had some crazy fucking ideas and, and, and they're always very cool about like, yeah, man, we could probably try to figure that out. Like any crazy shit that comes out of my head, they usually are, are pretty cool with. So yeah, currently we're doing the um, man cards and all that stuff with them. The Zippos, they help me with my whiskey glasses. These uh, glass, these ashtrays we did, these big thick ashtrays made of uh, glass we did with them. Um, those guys are geniuses, man. They can make anything. I could come to them and say some ridiculous shit and they're like, okay, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> They'll think for a second. They're like, yeah, but, um, good guys. Fixed blade knife is, it's funny. You said you were doing one. I, I think what size are you guys doing? Uh, we were figuring all that out now, to be honest. It's a, uh, it's a bit of a mind. So you have it really a mind, bit of a mind build. Are you thinking you're going to go carry size or are you just going to go like full on like on the side camp, like outdoors, like not walking around or have you not even got? Yeah, we that? Haven't, we've got to the point where we, we kind of like designed the, like the look of it. The size of it is something because mm. it's just so much. Yeah. It's so it's a lot more difficult to account for the size of like folders are just a lot easier and oh, huge. Yeah. It's just going to be also, I mean, the size, the size it's getting going to end up being is just going to be pretty huge compared to like the original knife deck, for example. Um, right. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll figure it out. That's, you know, we we take inspiration from people like that. Like, you know, we look at someone like big idea design and like the, the stuff they do is so innovative and um, yeah, kind of not stuff that's just not out there. You wouldn't see out there on the market. So yeah, uh, take a lot of inspiration from those guys. Well, that's what we try to do is like, we try to find products. that's like, Hey, there might be a, product out there that people really like but how could we make that our way you know what i mean like how could we take that and make it innovative and different and make it our way and they're really good at that <laughs> they're very very good at that they, they do a good job definitely um so someone said how is jeremy sears so freaking awesome that was a question and then what was your favorite edc item <laughs> oh wow how am no. I so awesome? How are you? Uh, yeah, you while, got while, while, awesome. <laughs> while I greatly appreciate that, I, I um I don't think everybody probably feels that way. <laughs> but 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 the the only answer I would have is I was just born this way, man. I don't know what to tell you. 
Um, as far as my favorite EDC, I, man, that is tough. Oy, because I just, it kind of varies a lot. It depends on my mood. I mean, are they, do they mean like a particular item, like a particular knife, or do they mean like knife, flashlight, a type of item? They mean a specific item or a type of item? Let's do both. My favorite type of item is probably a knife. I just, Regardless what I'm doing, I don't give a shit if I'm in my pajamas. I have a fucking knife on me. I just, there's just so many uses. People are like, and you know, it's funny. Maybe you can, you can answer this because you said you're from the UK. I've had a lot of people from other countries. They find it very weird that people carry knives all the time. They're like, why do you feel like you need a knife for protection? I'm like, first off, I don't carry a knife for protection. <laughs> I carry a fucking gun for protection. Let's be real here. I carry a knife to like open boxes and cut threads on my clothes. And I mean, just. It's a it's a tool. I don't look at this as a weapon at all. Like I I would never pull this. Well, I mean, I guess if the shit hit the fan, it's all I had. I guess I would use it as a weapon. But I don't look at it. Do you look at a knife as a weapon, or do you look at it as a tool? I think it's like so. I definitely don't now after creating this business and this brand. Like our customers and all, we, you know, we know that's not the case. I think it's just like if you're from the UK, there's a hell of a lot of knife crime, and people just think associate knives with bad things. Um, we well, do, and, you know, and and. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail you there, but you know, I, th- I think that's funny, not to get on a political note, but it's amusing that whatever the weapon of choice for a country is, that's where there's a lot of crime. Like in the US, everybody says gun crime, gun crime, because we have guns. Well, yeah. the UK doesn't have guns, so guess what? Knife crime, knife crime. <laughs> the yeah. point is, people like to create to do crime, man. People like to commit crime. So it's just that's funny that UK has a lot of knife crime. But anyway, I mean, not funny. Like I'm sorry no, that you guys no. have knife crime, but it's funny that it's knives that people have a problem with over there. But but it's just yeah, it's just a cultural thing. Like, and we totally get it now. And our customers that buy our products, we know they're not knife wielding maniacs. Uh, they just like to open their Amazon boxes with a cool pocket knife. Like, what's wrong with that? So in the UK, sorry to switch this over to you. you go. So in the UK, people look at knives the way some people look at guns in the US. Like there's a, don't get me wrong, US we're a very gun-toting society, right? So there's a huge majority of people that love guns and support the second amendment and all that stuff. But there's also the people on the far left that think there should be more gun control and guns are for criminals and you know they 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 look at downly on them. So is there a big section of the UK that that's how they feel about knives? It's like for criminals and people that that's kind of a cultural thing? No, no, no not necessarily. I think it would just be, it's not normal that men would just have like a huge knife collection. It's not like a, it's really, not, I don't in, in the UK, although we have UK customers, so it definitely, you know, is a thing as well, but it's not as right. widespread. So when uh, a guy I know in the US, when we started this brand and then we started to make more of the knife related products, he was like, and I didn't know this about him. He was like, hell yeah. Like I've, I've been collecting knives since I was like, you know, 12. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that about him, but it's just so normal in America. Wow. So it was, yeah. It's just in the UK, it's just not as normal, but I wouldn't say it's not like we're, you know, we're freaking out about knives. I just, maybe people are. No, no, no. It's just. It's, it's just interesting that it's a different, like, because there's also a lot of laws over there, right? That are very different than the laws. Like, could you carry yeah. like this knife in the UK? Like, is that allowed over there? Yeah, I think, you, I think you could carry it. But then I guess if the, I mean, God, I don't know. I mean, if the police stopped you and you had it on you, I don't know what they would do. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, because I had a guy one time in a video, I was talking about that because I had some comments where I, 
again, people were like, why do you carry a knife and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, do you feel that in danger that you need to carry a knife? And I was like, hold, hold, hold the fucking door here. I don't carry a knife for protection. Okay. I've got a very different tool for that particular situation. We won't go too deep into it, but yeah, that's a different story. But, and then I was like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, we're just making everything that's dangerous, illegal. Like, are we going to make, you know, a hammer illegal next? And then somebody commented, they're like, actually in my country, if you have a hammer and you don't have a purpose for it, you can get arrested. And I'm like, what, what are we doing? Like people get like, they consider like a, a, a screwdriver. If you're carrying a screwdriver in your pocket, that's considered like a shiv in some countries. If you're not like a, now don't get me wrong. If you have a, a, a screwdriver in your pocket and you're an electrician or a carpenter, I'm sure that's a different situation, but just a normal dude, if he gets pulled over and he has a screwdriver in her pocket, in his pocket, that's considered a weapon. And it's like, Jesus Christ, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, I think if they focused on the people who would actually commit the crimes rather than people who are just, yeah, yeah. You'd uh, think, right? I like, don't know. Anyway, I sorry, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent there and take your podcast in a weird direction. No, no, all good, all good. I thought you might ask me some questions about my childhood or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, what I want to do- You guys really about- like tea that much. What? No, <laughs> no I fucking hate tea. I've never got it. You hate tea? Oh, God, I can't stand it. It's awful. I've never got it. I've tried to- You're a coffee guy? Yeah, of course. Yeah, coffee, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm addicted, uh, but it's a a great drug. I have to- That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, You were the first uh, person from over there that I've met that says they like- Now, don't get me wrong. I have lots of friends, and I've met a lot of people that live over across the pond because of YouTube, and they watch my channel and stuff, and you develop relationships, but- a lot of them like coffee, but they they all prefer tea because I think over there it's just a cultural thing. You're kind of raised with it, right? So my mum doesn't drink water at all. She just drinks tea and wine. Like, <laughs> ne- never drinks a glass of water. Like, I, I fucking I, legend, I, legend. <laughs> just tea and wine. She's she, a legend, she bro. Just get, she just gets the water from the from the the tea. She, that's what she says. Like, and and I don't know. How my dad said the same thing about coffee. My dad used to say the exact, it would be 90 degrees. He'd be sweating. He'd be drinking coffee. Like, dad, you're going to dehydrate. It's Florida. Drink some water. He's like, what do you think this fucking coffee's made of? Water. Yeah. Pour yeah. water over beans. It's coffee. Yeah. It's- exactly. Exactly. And she's, you know, she's going to be 80 soon. So she's, uh, she's doing well. Uh, the, the wine, Legend. wine and tea diet. Cheers to her, bro. Okay. Cheers to her. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've just got a few quick fire questions for you that will. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'll try to keep them. No, I'll, no, try no, to, no. I'll do my best to keep them short. I had these as quick fire that we'd use towards the end of the podcast. So, uh, okay. Get ready. Uh, so favorite whiskey and cigar pairings. Oh fuck, man! You can't. That's not a quick fire. That's like one. a that's favorite. A, if you had to choose one, one pairing. Fuck, man! I I drink so many, and I like them for different reasons, different proofs, different moods. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll give you the same answer. This is kind of a bullshit answer, but I'll give it to you because it's the quickest one I have. Because uh, there's literally 10, 15 whiskeys that are my favorites, but. Somebody asked me the other day if there was a house fire and you had to save one bottle of whiskey, which would it be? And it's not based on flavor. It's based on sentimental attachment. There's a bottle of uh, George T. Stagg, which is a pretty popular bottle, rare bottle uh, that I have that my dad gave to me years and years ago. And he's passed away now. And for sentimental reasons, because he gave me that bottle. If there's one bottle I would save or is my favorite bottle on my shelf, it's that bottle. But it's not because of flavor. If you're if you're asking me just like what's my favorite one to drink, 
That's a loaded question, man. And I can't, I could give you, I could rattle off a list of probably 10. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, it was a good answer. It was a nice answer. Um, what's your favorite watch currently? You know, that's another tough one. If it's strictly my favorite that I currently own, it's my Rolex Submariner. Like, I love that watch. It just feels good on the arm. It's got the micro, the toolless micro adjust. So, living in Florida, when it gets hot, it's really super easy to just tweak it a little bit when your wrist swells up because it's 90,000 degrees outside. <laughs> you know, um, it's, it sits real low. I mean, it just it wears fantastic. And it's a beautiful watch, right? It's just a beautiful watch. So if I had to say my favorite is probably that. But the one that I wear the most is probably my Tudor. Okay. Um, my Black Bay. Only because the Rolex is a little more expensive and I don't have any safe queens per se, but it doesn't leave my a matter of fact it sits very proudly in one of you guys watch cases on my dresser nice play. um nice yeah my, my my four top favorite watches sit in i have the four uh yeah uh, watch version that you guys have and my four favorite watches sit on my dresser in that um but my black bay is probably my most worn watch because i tend to not wear the rolex in all occasions because of being a little protective of it because of the price and difficulty to get the day it took me like almost a year and a half to get the damn thing cool what would be your last meal on earth before mm, you steak go? steak bar none steak nice okay. I, I know that's such a generic dude answer but dude, i love uh, you give me a good medium rare steak reverse seared with a bloated baked potato <laughs> forget about it dude i'm done i'm done good answer I'm checking out uh favorite knife currently Probably my, again, this has, I'm going to go to, I'm cheating, but probably my favorite is, uh, I love it, man, is the ProTech TR3 operator. Okay. I love that knife. I don't know what it is about it. It's something about the scale design, the the all black nature of it. The fact that they basically debadged it, it doesn't even say ProTech anywhere on the knife. It's just stealth black with the tritium uh, button. It's an auto, so it opens. It's just, it's a great knife. And I have a hard time not putting that thing in my pocket a ton. But the knife I've been carrying the most lately, and I really love it, are the Civivi uh, Chevalier, I think is the name of it. Thanks. Because it's a button lock. So it's much like the ProTech Malibu in the, the operation of it. But, and it's got uh, micarta scales, which I'm a big fan of micarta, but it's like under a hundred bucks. Right, where your Malibus and your Protex and you know a lot of your you know you're talking several hundred. Yeah, you can get these on Amazon for like eighty nine bucks. So for a hard use everyday knife that you're not afraid to like snap the tip off and you're not like butt hurt because you just broke a really expensive knife. Like man, I've been carrying this a ton lately. Nice, nice. Um, if you could have a cigar with someone dead or alive, who would it be? And what would the cigar, you know I've thought about what would the cigar be? Uh... That's a harder answer because I've again I've got a, I've got a lot of okay. favorites. It would probably be like a Padron for a fancier cigar that I really enjoy every time. It's like a Padron nineteen twenty six. So if I had to give you an answer, had to I'd probably say that. However, again I have a lot of favorites. There's budget cigars I like a lot. AJ Fernandez New World we just did the New World Dorados a newer one he just came out with fantastic cigar I love it. But the cigar I recommend to people that I think is a little bit special of a cigar is the Padron nineteen twenty six. So it'd probably be that cigar. Um, I've thought about the answer about who, and it's tough because there's there's several people that I think would be really awesome to have a cigar with. One would be Mark Twain. 
I think it would be super cool to have a cigar with Mark Twain. He, from what I understand, was a pretty avid cigar smoker. Super interesting guy, right? Like American novelist. Like I just to to be able to talk to somebody that lived back then and kind of get their perspective and the fact that he's a, a kind of a literary genius. I think it would just be cool to pick that guy's brain and see see what was going on. More modern. I've always thought it'd be cool to smoke with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a huge cigar guy, and I mean, cool. and and he's like from my childhood. He was like the epic action hero in all the '80s movies when I was growing up. So I just yeah. I think it, he's kind of a fucking legend, and I just think it would be cool, especially being that he does also love cigars. Yeah, and uh, also is it? I always get him mixed up. Is it Teddy Roosevelt or Theodore Roosevelt? I should know that better. I'm, I'm bringing out my ignorance and being an American now. Who now? I'm, I'm going to have to look it up, bro. I'm going to have to look it up. I can't believe it. I I can't believe it. I can't remember what, this. One of the Roosevelts. I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore okay. Roosevelt. Okay. I always get those two mixed up. It's like I have a stroke. That guy was a fucking legend, bro. I don't know if you know anything about Theodore Roosevelt, but he got shot, shot, sh- assassination attempt fucking shot in the chest and still gave a speech. He finished his speech. He was like, and kept on delivering his speech with a bullet in him and then went after and got it taken out. Um, Legend. Uh, Come on, dude. Get out of okay. here. Okay. Well, maybe here, man, Arnie, you can. There would be so much testosterone in the room. I couldn't even stand it. I'd be like, I can't even be in here. You guys are just too manly for me. I'm, I'm my, my uh, manhood is shriveling in front of the greatness. <laughs> <laughs> so final question. Uh, what is in your pockets right now? Well, I'm at home, so it's not as crazy as it normally is. Okay. What about, let's say, you just... No, there's some stuff, though. Okay. Uh, I do carry a flashlight. A little uh, Prometheus, old brass Prometheus flashlight. Yeah. I have the knife that I've pulled out a couple times. Yeah. The um, Chevalier. Yeah. I've got that. my wallet from... Um, Always carry this. This is the bad motherfucker edition that I did with um, Open Sea. You remember Pulp Fiction? He said, "Yeah, which one's your wallet? The one that says bad motherfucker on it." Yeah. So I thought that was hilarious. I, with Michael, we made a, a little limited run of these that say same font and everything from the movie Pulp Fiction says bad motherfucker. Nice. Um, I always have one of these. Mighty Hank. Okay. Love the Mighty Hank. That that is always in my back pocket, regardless because uh, when I wear glasses. And that's it. That's it right now. Because I'm at home. That's all that's in my pocket. And I got my watch on. That's still a lot more. But I also always have a pin nearby. So no. that's a that is a um, big idea design there. Fountain EDC. I love fountain pens. Nice, nice. Um, dude, I'm sorry. We're, we're out of time, but this has been. Uh, I get it, man. I'm sorry. I was long winded. You probably had more questions we didn't get to because no, I can't fucking. Uh, I talk quickly. I got through a lot of it, and I I I learned a lot. Mainly how I'm going to grow a beard. How I'm going to. Guys, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna get some nice beard oil. Um, so I think you know my girlfriend's gonna be pretty happy in in, in six months. So I'm gonna be a completely changed man. Uh, you got you got to keep in touch, man, and yeah. get, send me pictures. I want to see I, I, the I, progression I, of the beard as it grows. To ho- homeless chic, uh, cool. Uh, homeless chic. That's that's my whole look, bro. It's homeless <laughs> chic. They, they, that's that's my vibe. Look, man, thank you so much for uh, for this. I know everyone will be finding your answers and everything hilarious. Uh, I did too. So thank you so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Brother, I appreciate you having me. Really do. Appreciate you inviting me. It was a lot of fun. It was good to meet you. I'm glad we worked it out and we finally got some time to sit down and have a little combo. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. 
really means the world to us. And if you would like to show us any extra support so we can keep this podcast going, please follow, subscribe. And if you have any extra time, leave us a review. It really would mean the world to us. Thank you so much.